0: Welcome to the First Pitch Podcast, brought to you by PitcherList.com, your daily morning podcast, updating you on everything you need to know to win your fantasy baseball league. Here's your host, Chad
1: Young. Hello and welcome to the First Pitch Podcast. As the man said, my name is Chad Young, and for the second straight day, there's a game going late, and I'm just going to get started while that game is still going on. Hopefully, the Jays and Mariners will finish up. Crazily enough, I started the evening at that game, and I'm back here in time to get recording before it's over. Hopefully, it'll end soon. First, let's start off with some news and notes. Adam Duvall put on the paternity list by Atlanta. Usually means two to three days off. Congrats to Adam. Enjoy the time with the family. For his fantasy managers, you'll get him back in a few days. Justin Steele also going on the paternity list, which I'm only mentioning so that he can also get some congratulations because first starting pitcher probably won't even miss a start. The Red Sox placed Michael Waka on the 15-day IL, recalled Connor Siebold to start against the Yankees Friday. That did not go real well for Siebold. Waka missed his last start with what was called a tired arm, but sounds like he has some shoulder inflammation, will be out through the All-Star break. The Sox are hoping it'll be just that, but there is no official timeline yet. The COVID IL giveth and the COVID IL taketh away. The Giants activated Tyro Estrada from the COVID IL and they made room by placing Tommy Lastella on the COVID IL. Both of them have had some deep league value, so act accordingly. Estrada was back in the lineup hitting fifth and playing second base against the Padres on Friday. He went 0-3 for with a strikeout. The Giants also claimed Colton Welker off of waivers from Colorado and then placed him on the 60-day IL immediately. The only interesting thing here is that the Giants must believe there's something they can do to help Welker, and that'll be worth monitoring once he's healthy. The Guardians, as expected, promoted Nolan Jones, who ripped an RBI double down the line in his first at bat. He ended up two for three with a single, a double, and an RBI before being pulled for a pinch runner. To make room for Jones, the Guardians optioned Richie Palacios to Triple A. He's an interesting guy, but hadn't really been playing enough to have fantasy value anyways. They also activated Austin Hedges and designated Sandy Leone for assignment. Hedges doesn't bring much direct fantasy value, but he does impact that Cleveland rotation. Also, as discussed, the Angels called up Reed Detmers, and he was cooking in Baltimore. Six innings, seven strikeouts, one walk, two hits, no runs. His supposedly revamped slider was up 3.5 miles per hour and accounted for four of his 13 whiffs, more than any of his other pitches. That slider had only a 25% CSW. He was a 29% overall, but a really positive development and enough to get me interested based on his talent. He is Houston next, so I'll probably sit that one out, but I do like the upside. The Marlins brought Eliezer Hernandez back from AAA, but he'll be working out of the pen for now, so don't jump to add him back. Marcus Stroman will be activated from the IL today to start against the Dodgers in LA. Not exactly using him back in, huh? Between the matchup and some possible rust, I'd leave him on my bench for this one. The Rangers announced they're going to remove Joe Barlow from the closers role in order to take some pressure off of him. It seemed to me that Dennis Santana would be the likely replacement. Conveniently, the Rangers had a one-run lead in the ninth today, and they went to Brett Martin. Santana had pitched the 8th up one, so it appears Martin is getting the first shot. It is possible this was just a matchup thing. Martin's a lefty, and he was brought in to face Byron Buxton, who has a pretty small career split, followed by lefty Max Kepler and switch hitter Jorge Polanco, who is much better versus right-handed pitchers. Not really sure if that's going to hold or not, but Martin did get that first shot and did get the save. Brandon Lau on rehab assignment in AAA was hit by a pitcher and removed from the game on Thursday. He was hit in the helmet by Steven Matz, who's also on rehab assignment. Friday, Lau said he was feeling much better and could begin workouts as soon as today, which is great news. CJ Crone, who's been putting up a terrific season for the Rockies, was hit in the hand by a Zach Gallon pitch and removed from the game. Keep an eye out for updates on him. If anything's broken, he could be on the shelf for a while and he'd be awfully hard for fantasy managers to replace. Finally, an update on Jureks and Profar. Profar, diagnosed with a concussion and a neck strain, he was released from the hospital overnight, which is a great sign. The Padres put him on the seven-day concussion IL, not a surprise. Brent Rooker recalled to take his place. I haven't seen any estimate of how long Profar will be out, and I suspect the pods don't really know yet. This kind of thing could be just a week, or it could be longer, it could linger, concussions can be really hard to sort of predict. Regardless, I suspect the Padres are going to be cautious and take their time with this. This is not the kind of thing you want to rush Profar back from. So that game here in Seattle, not over yet, but we're still going to take a look at some on-field action. Alec Bohm all the offense in St. Louis on Friday. Zach Wheeler threw seven shutout. Adam Wainwright threw a complete game. But the only runs were a pair of Bohm solo shots. I am still a believer in his bat. I would love to see him get going. Chris Bryant had one home run all season, then hit two on Friday on the road, not at Coors Field. He's yet to hit one at Coors, actually. He finished three for four with a couple runs and a couple RBI, adding a walk and a double as well. This is what the Rockies paid for, and if you were patient with him or bought in late, you'll get a nice payday for the rest of the way, I think. The Angels got a three-run home run from Mike Trout and a solo shot from Shohei Otani, both of whom were three for five on the day. Trout also added his first stolen base of the year. The problem, of course, for the Angels is that nobody else did anything. And so those guys drove in four on those two home runs and they lost five to four. Brandon Nimmo known more for his eye than his power, but he had his third home run in five days on Friday. He now has eight on the year. He was just one for five in this one, but has a 277-364-46 slash line, and his 49 runs atop the Mets lineup are top 20 in baseball. I don't hear people talking about him much, but he's been excellent, and his stat cast data backs up what he's been doing, so he should continue to be valuable going forward. Brian De La Cruz was 3-for-3 with a walk and 3 doubles all off Chris Bassett. He was a favorite of mine late last year, but just hasn't played enough to have value this year. His overall line isn't great, but he's been a lot better lately and appears to be earning more playing time. He has 6 home runs and 2 stolen bases and 165 plate appearances. That's roughly a 2010 pace-ish. If he starts playing every day, he will have some real value. Atlanta piled up 12 runs and 15 hits and four home runs. Acuna had two hits and a home run. Matt Olson had two hits and a home run. William Contreras had a home run. Eddie Rosario was the only starter without a hit, and he stole a base. But the star was Michael Harris. Michael Harris, four for four, a home run and double, three runs, four RBIs. I feel like I'm mentioning him every night, and you should just take notice. This is an emerging star. Josh Rojas, two for three with a home run, a stolen base, a double, a walk, a run, and three RBIs, just a little bit of everything for Rojas, which is a pretty good microcosm of what he does for your fantasy team. He plays all over the field and does just enough of everything to be valuable, especially if he's going to keep leading off for Arizona. Looking at other home runs around baseball, Brandon Drury has turned into a star and hit his 18th. This one off Shane McClanahan. It's impressive. Garrett Cooper hit his 7th, Francisco Lindor his 14th, Juan Soto hit his 16th, and there was even a guy in base for him. Carlos Correa hit his 10th, Ryan Jeffers his 6th, Corey Seeger his 17th, Whit Merrifield who's been really bad, had a home run as part of a 3-hit night, Franmil Reyes hit his 8th, he's been heating up lately. Jaiber Candelario hit his 6th, it's all because I wrote an article on Friday saying he lacked power. Luis Robert hit his 10th, Diego Castillo, who we talked about yesterday as well also hit his 10th. Willie Adamas now has 17. Sergio Alcantara hit his second for Arizona. The Astros got number 11 from Alex Bregman and number 8 from Martín Maldonado. Elvis Andrews hit number 6. David Vr is an interesting rookie for the Giants. He hit his first. Brandon Belt had a pinch hit home run. Manny Machado hit his second in his many days. Jake Lamb hit his first for the Dodgers. And Nico Horner hit number 5 for the Cubs. Stolen bases on Friday, Kevin Kiermaier stole his sixth, Ryan Mountcastle his fourth, Rugnit Odor stole his second and third, though I think he got a little lucky that those were scored as stolen bases and not defensive indifference, so I don't think he's about to run a ton. Billy Hamilton got his second, this is a pinch runner, obviously as much as Billy Hamilton plays, he will steal if he gets time. Bobby Witt Jr. stole his 13th. Willie Castro got his third. The Brewers got number 10 from Colton Wong and number 6 from Andrew McCutcheon. And Cody Bellinger stole his 11th. Let's move to the mound. Luis Castillo and Shane McClanahan. I said I wanted to see what they would do, and they delivered. McClanahan gave up just the one run and the solo shot to Drury. He struck out 8, walked 2, allowed 3 hits over 6 innings pitched. Castillo went 7 and matched the 8Ks, walked only 1, allowed a run on 4 hits two aces just acting like it. Tyler Wells has outpitched his peripherals, but Friday gave up three runs. The first time he's given up more than one run since June 11th. He went only four innings, giving up those three runs on six hits and two walks with three strikeouts. There is a correction coming for him, but he is better than he pitched in this one. I debated benching Pablo Lopez versus the Mets before deciding he was just too good to bench, and I won't doubt him again. Five innings, one run, four hits five strikeouts and a walk, no quality start because he did go deep enough but did get the win, he managed 15 whiffs in just those five innings, health isn't always there for Lopez but when he's pitching he is great, Chris Bassett off the COVID IL said a bunch of stupid and ill-advised things about hiding future test results, then went out and threw six and a third innings giving up two runs and six hits and striking out three without a walk, Lopez got the W but not a quality start, Bassett got a quality start but took the loss. Nestor Cortez didn't have it for the Yanks Friday, giving up four runs on eight hits over three and two-thirds. He struck out four and walked two, just a blip for him as far as I'm concerned. And Lucky for him and the Yankees, he did do enough as he was facing off against Seabold, who, as I mentioned previously, got lit up. Charlie Morton, after his rough start to the year, made his fifth straight start of two or fewer earned runs. That followed five straight of three plus earned runs. He went seven innings, giving up two runs and four hits with seven strikeouts and three walks. The only real blemish was the Soto home run, and you can forgive somebody for giving up a home run to Juan Soto. Morton had 16 whiffs and a 33% CSW, and I think he's back to being the guy we expected when the season started. None of the shades of gray particularly attractive on Friday. Sonny and John went head-to-head and both gave up five runs. Sonny gave up five earned runs over four and two-thirds, only four hits and two walks, but no strikeouts and some bad sequencing as he went single-single walk, hit by pitch, sack fly single pop out in the fifth before being pulled, and then Caleb Thielbar gave up a home run that added two more earned runs to Gray's line. For John, only three of the five runs were earned, and he had eight strikeouts with one walk but he gave up 9 hits over 5 and a third innings. He managed 10 whiffs at a 33% CSW, maybe deserved a bit better than his defense provided, although he did at least get the win. Aaron Savali was excellent going 7 innings, allowing 1 run on 6 hits with 6 strikeouts and no walks. Since coming back from the IL, he's made 4 starts and gone 22 innings, allowing 10 runs, and striking out 21 while walking 7, allowing just 2 home runs. Well, Friday was against Kansas City. Before that, he faced Minnesota at Minnesota, and then was home for the Red Sox and the Yankees. Those are some pretty tough matchups and some pretty decent lines coming out of it. He's maybe an interesting option for me, although he's still matchup dependent. Brady Singer went 7 innings, striking out 5 and walking none, allowing 3 runs on 6 hits. He threw 5 changeups on 100 pitches in this one, and while that isn't a ton, he has more than doubled his changeup usage on the year, from 4% last year to 9.6% this year. It seems to be helping keep hitters more off balance, as his K rate is up to a career high, and his walk rate a career low. Tarek Skubal has struggled a bit lately after a great start to the year, but bounced back nicely against the White Sox. Gave up just two earned runs on six hits in six innings with seven strikeouts and a walk. He did give up a home run, which has been his problem lately, but he just gave up the one opposite him Lucas Giolito did not have it giving up five runs and five hits over six and two thirds he did strike out eight but walked a couple as well Aaron Ashby underwhelming again going five innings and giving up two runs and three hits with three strikeouts and two walks he did earn a win the 33 csw was nice but just seven whiffs I still believe in him long term but he's not producing for managers just yet Zach Gallen not at his best, giving up four and runs over five innings pitched, allowed six hits and three walks, striking out seven, and that's his third straight rough start. I, again, still believe, but I do want to dig further to see what's up with him. Jose Arquiti had just five whiffs at a 20% CSW, but he was at Oakland, and you can get away with that. Eight innings, three runs and four hits and a walk, just the two strikeouts. Not what you were hoping for, but it'll play, especially with the W. Paul Blackburn's magic did not hold up against Houston. Six earned runs on seven hits in four innings pitch, although he did have six strikeouts. I'll still continue to use him in good matchups, though. Blake Snell was excellent against San Francisco, going six innings of one-run ball, giving up just three hits, walking two, and striking out 11. He had a gorgeous 21 whiffs and 36% CSW. His last time out, he had 12 strikeouts in five innings versus the Dodgers, allowing just one earned run, so it looks like he may have turned a corner. Not willing to use Keegan Thompson at Dodger Stadium, and he made me look foolish for that decision. Five and two-thirds innings, just one unearned run on two hits and a walk with eight strikeouts. He's becoming more and more reliable. Opposite him, Tyler Anderson was solid, but not great, giving up three earned runs over seven while striking out four without a walk. Ross Stripling and George Kirby danced around trouble in Seattle. They gave up a combined 17 hits and two walks over nine and a third innings, but allowed just two earned runs apiece. Stripling, solid fantasy player at this point, though not for every single matchup. Kirby is headed more towards being an every single matchup guy, but the Jays are an extreme case, and this was a tough one for him. On to the bullpens. Rizal Iglesias hasn't been great, but he's been good enough as the Angels' closer, but Friday was a mess. He retired the first two he faced up to, then gave up three runs and four hits and never got that third out as the Orioles walked him off. He has plenty of leash, but he also now has a 4.5 ERA, which is something to watch. Tanner Scott walked a guy, but otherwise pitched well enough to get his 11th save for Miami. Lucas Lickie got his first save for the Yankees, but that's only because he went three and a third innings in a game that was 9-5 when he entered and 12-5 when he finished. He was great. Six strikeouts, one walk, one hit, no runs, but he is far from getting regular saves. Scott Barlow got the ninth for Kansas City in a tie game. Didn't pitch great, giving up a hit-by-pitch a walk and a hit to load the bases, but did not allow a run and escaped with a win when the Royals walked it off in the bottom of the ninth. Michael Fulmer got his second save. Gregory Soto had gone 21 pitches Thursday, so it seems he was unavailable. Josh Hader gave up a run and two hits and a walk with two strikeouts. That was good enough to get his 26th save. He's now given up a run in three straight appearances and hasn't pitched a clean inning since June 28th. Brad Hand got his fourth save for the Phils after Sir Anthony Dominguez got the eighth. I still think Sir Anthony should be the guy, but it looks like this is a committee for now. Alex Colomay got his fourth save despite giving up a run on two hits. Nick Martinez gave up two runs in the ninth, but he had a five-run lead when that inning started. Ended up with a three-inning save for the Padres. That's his third. Evan Phillips got the top of the tenth and kept the Cubs off the board. He ended up getting a W, and Rowan Wick allowed the extra inning runner to score. That was all set up by David Robertson blowing his fifth save for the Cubs. Meanwhile, while I would love to give you any updates about Toronto and Seattle, that game is still going on. Nobody has scored, so nothing really to tell you about. So let's take a look at Saturday's weather with our friend Mark Paquette. Thank you very much. Well, looking at today's schedule, we have two National League games that look to have some sort of risk with them, with showers and thunderstorms
0: around. These are both late afternoon games. One's in Atlanta, the other's in Cincinnati. You know, Cincinnati's playing the an interleague series against the uh, Diamond.
1: No, excuse me, the Rays. While Atlanta is hosting the Nationals, so those are the two games to watch for tomorrow. I mean, excuse me, I'm thinking a day ahead. Today, have a good one. Before turning our attention to Saturday's action, I do finally have an update for you from Seattle and Toronto. A, Eugenio Suarez hit his 15th home run of the year, a three-run walk-off shot. Those were the only runs in extra innings. They were given up by Sergio Romo, who is just not very good these days, so probably nobody's roster really impacted by that. Now that we're fully caught up on Friday, we can turn our attention to Saturday. Continuing on through the rest of Saturday, if you're looking for someone to stream Johnny Cueto versus Detroit or Madison Bumgarner versus Colorado in Arizona, both sort of interesting options. For hitters, the Phillies were pretty quiet against Wainwright on Friday, but I suspect they will get to Dakota Hudson, and I would definitely get guys in the lineup there. As for what I'm watching, Hunter Green versus the Rays is probably the most interesting matchup of the day for me. It's a smart team that always has a good approach against a guy who's been high risk and maybe somewhat readable. I'm really curious what Green is going to do. I'm still very intrigued by his talent, but boy has he been up and down this year and that's sort of putting it nicely. For what it's worth, I would not be starting Green. I don't have many rosters, but if I did, he'd be on my bench. That probably means he's going to throw a gem. Don't forget to read the SP Roundup, Batters Box, and Reliever Ranks on Pitcher List before you get into the action on Saturday. Hope you have a good afternoon. You're going to be with Scott Chu tomorrow, and I'll be back with you on Monday.